We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do I have to change my uh, profile picture to, to a, something of me in Nick's gear now, or, or am, I, am, am I am I good of my debonair-looking self? Okay, I'm just talking to myself. All right, well, listen, we are just waiting for people to roll in. I uh, see Schwinny, see Danny B. What's up, um, Khalil? How you doing? Uh, we got Brad, DP, Jason, got a Jaden. I see you. Yeah, we'll just probably let it fill up here. Um, Khalil, people are requesting. I think we have a bit of a we have a bit of a program, so we're gonna uh, go through the program, and I'm sure we'll give everyone a chance to get their stuff off. But we'll yeah, we'll, we'll open it react up. to what we we'll, we'll let you react to what we have to say first. Um, while we so while people roll in, I will just say thank you to everyone for your kind words today. Uh, this morning was actually a bit of a hectic uh, morning for me. I actually had to run some errands with my wife. Then I actually had like some stuff to do with my nine to five. And then I opened uh, I opened Twitter around like twelve something, and my mentions were on fire. So, um, so thanks to everyone for the kind words. Uh, I'm looking forward to contributing to Nick Film School. Uh, shout out to. GMAC, who could not be here tonight, but shout out to him. Shout out to Macri, Jeremy, my co-host Chris, who's running, who's running this behind the feed. Benji, uh, yo! Shout out to gonna be, give a big shout out to uh, Cedric Shine. He he has something to do, but he may pop in for a bit. My co-host, alive from the Mecca, and I said before, alive from the Mecca is not going anywhere. It didn't get shit canned. It's, it's still going strong. You know, we can do two things at once. Uh, shout out to my man, Jeff J., uh, whom y'all know from Bed Exchange, our, our other co-host. Uh, now I've known him for a couple of years, but 20 now that I think about it. Uh, you know, he's been a big inspiration for me in the content game. Uh, shout out to Chris Barnett, a.k.a. Hoop Spaces. And honestly, if it weren't for him, I pro- I'm probably not here. Uh, I... He started, he, like, I'll tell the quick story. Um, in, like, January of 2021, I'm, is one of those, so, you know, in the peak of the pandemic, and, you know, I was doing my usual Friday night thing during, during the peak of the pandemic, which was 
uh, go get takeout food, go get go get liquor, <laughs> sit at home and watch basketball. Um, you know, not like you know, yeah, that's what I'll do. And I just happened. I was on, you know, looking through Clubhouse, and I just saw like this group NBA on CH. I was jumped in the group, and it was hosted by this guy named Chris, and I was like. And he brought me to speak, and they found out I was a Knicks fan. At first, they thought I was like this crazy psychopath. But once they actually found out that I wasn't, they embraced me, pulled me up open arms, and I was working with them. And then around last summer, I would say June-ish, he said, I don't think this clubhouse thing is working. Let's. Uh, I don't think it's – I think Twitter space is going to overtake clubhouse. You should come with me. And I said, cool. And he was like, I want you to host the show. And I was like, well, me and Seth and Jeff were doing our thing. So we started live from the Mecca. So shout out to Chris, because without him, I don't know what I'd be doing. Um, he gave me the inspiration. So enough about me. No one wants to hear about me anymore. Uh, let's get right to let's get right to today's show. Uh, Chris, welcome. How are you? What's up, man? How are we doing? Congrats Thank you. on the show. Thank you. Um I don't know if my AirPods were connected. I was like talking at the start. I'm not, I think no one might have heard me. So that was good. Um, listen, I'm excited to be here. I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be your Robin today. Uh, but, you know, it's the end of, a, end of a pretty busy week here for me at Fordham. So, you know, this is a pretty good way to wind down regardless. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take uh, having to talk about the Knicks. Oh, no, that's definitely not what I do all day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what I have scheduled. <laughs> and then uh, it's not too bad to uh, have you as my co-host here, sir. So excited for the show. Excited to get to hear your takes on, on this platform now. Um, I, you know, same takes, same Sean. Just uh, just some big news for the guys. So congrats, man, for real. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I actually uh... – my uh, Knicks discussions have live from the Mecca kind of like took a little backseat this summer because it's the off season. You know, it's not like much goes on in the off season. Come to Knicks, except you know, trades that never happen. But that's another story for another day. But um, yeah, man, like, like the Knicks will be playing basketball in next Tuesday. I mean, it won't count, but it count. But you know, they'll be playing basketball. Um, so I guess we can get right into it. So Monday was media day. <laughs> Content day. Content day. Yes, content day. Uh, Monday was content day. And I will be perfectly honest with you. I have watched – I watched very little of content day. And I watched very little of content day simply because there was nothing they were going to tell me on content day that I didn't already know or would give me any insight into what to expect this season. And to be fair, that's not just the Knicks. That's the other 29 teams. Like, it is a content day, media day, whatever you want to call it, is, you know. Now, granted, some of them, some teams had some sound bites come out of, out of their media day. I'm looking at you, Brooklyn. I'm looking at you, Phoenix. I'm looking at you, Charlotte. But for the most part, it's just a PR stunt to get people riled up and happy for the you're, season. Wait, wait. You're telling me that when Sam Presti gets up there and says that they're going to try to be competitive and they really like the young guys they've got, that he doesn't mean it? It's <laughs> <laughs> like finding out that Santa isn't real. Are you kidding me? It, it's almost like the it's almost like basketball front office people don't tell you the exact truth when they're asked. Like, 
what a concept. Huh. And I and I say that because Weird. one of the prevailing themes of the New York Knicks in the year of our Lord 2022 is the access or lack thereof by the media to the team, the players, and particularly the front office. Um, you and I, Chris, have had some discussions about this, but uh, what is your take on the stance that the Leon Rose administration has taken when it comes to speaking with the media directly? And not besides, you know, I'm not talking about uh, post-game press conference, post-game press conferences from the coach or post-game comments from the players, but like updates, news, and what have you from the front office. Yeah, for sure. I think um, there's a line here, and I think it's to be towed. And I think a lot of people just don't, and they just pick a side, and that's it. Uh, and it's it's just not that simple, right? But like, for example. I'm I'm gonna rattle off some statements that I that I think are true. Statement number one: It is important both for journalism in general uh, and for the coverage of our team uh, that that reporters be allowed to ask questions, um, even if they get shut down, even if whatever. It's important for reporters, and as someone who wants to work in sports media, I understand that it helps keep the lights on. Right, like those quotes are really important, and it also allows you an opportunity to ask about serious issues when they arise, just because every day doesn't have the most, you know, interesting plethora of new creative questions. doesn't mean that there aren't important questions to be asked throughout the year, right? I think the second statement that's also true is it's just sports. Like, when people get on Twitter and they're like, oh, uh, MSG Networks is, is state propaganda TV. Yeah, yeah, like, what are we doing? Like, revolutionizing a country here? Like, no, dude, it's basketball. Like, it's it's literally called MSG Networks. Are you surprised that it's that they're not, like, just publicly crapping on the people that they employ? Is this supposed to be some, like, groundbreaking revelation? I, uh, yes, it's state TV. It's sports. That's what we're doing here. Um, and that's why it's important to have the other aspect of it, too. But in that other aspect... When you have reporters using an R.J. Barrett PR stunt extension live stream with Monica McNutt, who did a fantastic job with that. I'm not trying to poo-poo the event. I'm saying that it's not a real press conference. And you have reporters on Twitter crying, being like, why won't they let us into this? This is a dictatorship. This uh, silver needs to step in. And it's just like, okay, well, what are you going to realistically ask RJ? Hey, RJ, did it suck to, to know that you might get traded? Uh, not really, no. I was just trying to you know, focus on myself, get better every day, and uh, I just play basketball, man. Hey, RJ, uh, if you got traded for Donovan Mitchell, like, would you make that trade if you were the Knicks? Uh, I can't really speak to that. Donovan Mitchell is a really good player. Like, what, what, what are we going to do here, right? So when, when the media makes a big deal out of stuff like that, it, it takes away from the foundation of their point as a whole. When the media complains about things like that to the degree that they do, it makes their actual good points seem stupid because it's like the boy that cried wolf, right? But there is something to letting real journalists in the building. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll say this. All right. One, I, growing up, I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I actually was a journalist, not in sports, but I was a journalist for a new, a major, I don't say major, but a real daily newspaper in Jersey for 
almost two years. So I am sympathetic to, I'm always going to be sympathetic to journalist, journalism because journalism is what is part of what holds society accountable um, in all walks in all in all in all walks of life in all shapes and forms. Do I believe there should be more access granted to journalists? Absolutely. I think especially the people who cover the team on a consistent basis, whether that's Ian Begley, uh, Fred Katz, whoever replaces Berman, Bondi, like the team, like the beat writers who for all the local papers who cover this team, you know, weekend, day in and day out, they should get access. They should get more access than they get. And I actually believe there are natural reporters who should get more access than they get because I know what they they don't have an agenda. You know, it's whether it's Zach Lowe, Brian Windhorst, Kevin Pelton, guys like that. Like Ramona Shelburne, like if like if Ramona Shelburne wants to do a piece on the Knicks, um, I think she should get the access to do it. But the key word I use there is journalists. Like people, because journalism, when you're doing journalism, you ultimately have an obligation to report things fairly and objectively and to and to be and to be not be subjective. So when Stephen A. Smith is crying about stuff, or Malika Andrews, or Kendrick Perkins, or RJ Jefferson, or RJ Jefferson, Richard Jefferson, I don't give a flying you know what. Because there's no there's not gonna be any objectivity. There's not gonna be any you're not gonna call it down the line. You are using us for engagement. And listen. Now, I do think that Knicks for Clicks, there's some people that think that Knicks for Clicks is any bad thing about the Knicks, whether it's true or not. But I don't think people understand, I don't think people understand, or they do understand, they don't care. It's like, well, like I say all the time, the Knicks have found ways to put themselves in news for all the wrong reasons for 20 years. You don't have to make anything up. But, you know, for us, for the Knicks, if they walk and chew gum at the same time, if we walk and we've, if we are not able to walk and chew gum at the same time, it's it, it's it's freaking national news. With that being said, idea that we can hold like this idea that because the Knicks like that that their their media friend their their media policy is why there aren't any good or when people try to connect the two, this is asinine. It's absolutely asinine. I've told people all the time, and me and Cedric have had this conversation for the longest. Like, I've heard, I've been a fan of the team since 1992. I have had, I've seen, I've had regime after regime tell me a bunch of garbage that was never going to happen. Steve Mills used to get on this app and lie to me every single day. We're going to do this the right way. We're going to be patient and build. And then they went out and signed four power forwards. Like, at, to me at this point, action speaks louder than words. Are there things I would like Leon Rose to answer? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are things I'd like to know. I'd like to know more about from him and Brock Oller and Walt Perrin and World Wide West. However, if you tell me something I want to hear, and then it gets dist- and then it doesn't happen. I say all the time, happiness equals reality minus expectations. So now I'm right back where it, where it went from. Now we're right back where we started. So just put a good product in the court, 
and we'll start from there. Like the whole like people the the, the pearl clutching about entertainers at, and, and and people in Bleacher Report not getting access that they wouldn't use probably anyway. It's like miss me of all that. Yeah, no, it's just there's like a like I that's what I started off with is that there's a there's a line to toe here like there's clear uh, there's a clear like necessity for nuance when it comes to this um, and everyone's afraid of it. You have to be either like oh we have to open up the MSG walls and just let everyone in to ask whatever. It's like no like you can just actually just let journalists in because they're not doing that. <laughs> like I feel like people are starting this debate without an actual understanding of what the debate is and just kind of picking a side because everyone else is. Um, and I feel like the actual like topic at hand has been decentralized to like, does Berman suck or not? It's like, well, what are we talking about? You, you know, like they're talking about getting media access. Like that's a very simple concept. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, I just think that um, like they're just bigger fish to fry. Like you know, they're just absolutely bigger fish to fry. Um, do you want to go to the next topic? Do we want to? Get well, you want to go to the next topic? Do you want to open it up to well? The- listen, here's the thing I don't know how much time Benji has, but I see Benji's in here, and he's someone who uh, I think would be great to chime in on if we're talking, you know, uh, option A versus option B. Next up, okay, um, you know, if Benji could chime in, that would be that would be perfect to have next up. So that you could okay you can also open the floor now before we do that too benji you can you know shoot me a text if you're free to come on a little live producing here why don't we bring up uh we can bring up someone like khalil and and hear him out real quick absolutely absolutely khalil you should be connecting khalil you should be connecting you may can you hear us khalil I just heard Chris mention Benji coming up to talk about uh, the yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna open the floor for the first topic first. So yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, I'm kind of uh, where Sean's at. Where you know, I I think I think it's important that we don't let the way this team has been covered uh, make us like move away from like nope ideas of support for like you know free free press and you know like like that transparency helps us as fans like i mean we're seeing it with constantine training camp like we've gotten basically nothing and the little that we do have you know is because of the coverage of like the journal the beat writers who are there um but at the same time like you know even you know tim mcmahon was talking about it on the hoop collective you know like if those guys are in there, Leon is going to still say the same stuff that he said in that interview with Alan Hahn, like actions speak louder than words. And I think what, you know, is going to be uh, important for us as fans, you know, as we head into preseason season is like seeing like how much, like, like, like what translates to us out of those actions. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you bring up a good point about transparency. Um, because ultimately, this organization and every organization, you know, they want our money, right? I mean, this this it's a business. So, if they want our money, there is there's there's somewhat of a social contract of like, okay, if you want me to commit my time and my energy and my resources to supporting this team, whether it's watching games, going to games, discussing games on social media, what ha- buying gear, whatever, there is 
a little we'd like to we'd like to see a little bit how the sausage is made now obviously we don't expect full transparency like i don't expect leon rose to come out and say all right on on june 30th like all right uh we're gonna go after this guy this guy this guy and our backup plan is this guy this guy because that's just not smart from a competitive standpoint right um so because of that it gives front offices a little bit of a leeway to hide behind um but at the same time there is a point where like the the hand wringing of it gets ridiculous become gets ridiculous and to the point that chris made in the beginning sam presti goes up there and he spews a whole bunch of bullshit and i know that i know that benji agrees with this and everyone's like oh okay okay cool 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 okay like the new york knicks are not the only um basketball franchise or sports franchise that is more of a closed-lipped uh like like state like if you think we're state-run tv like every every media outlet in oklahoma city state-run tv because there's one game in town and if you piss them off you don't get what you want so everyone plays ball all right so while I do expect that there should be some transparency, like you can only get but so much, but at the end of the day, like I want to see results in the court because you can tell me, like you can give me, you can tell me your plans, but if it doesn't go to, if it doesn't go to, if it doesn't happen, you're going to be angry anyway. And I think we have the, uh, oh, go ahead, Khalil. Uh, okay, I, was, I was only going to say, uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. I think um, what was most reflective of this, like, privacy that this organization has been operating with is think about the news of, of Grimes being in a boot that that was caught like offhand in a, in a, a, twi- a Twitter video that a fan saw and then immediately was taken down. And then we've gotten basically nothing like the last couple of days of training camp in terms of content, like, like it, having, having those eyes like in the, like in the room to then, okay. Ask, oh yeah, it was, you know, it was reported that Grimes is in the boot. What's that about? Oh yeah. You know, some soreness day to day, but like that wouldn't have ha- like happened if that wasn't seen, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. Listen, um, troubles in town. So we are going to pivot to, uh, to asking maybe a question or two to, um, Mr. Macri here on stage, Khalil, Thank you for tuning in, first of all. And second of all, thank you for coming up and uh, and chatting with us, entering the arena here. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Sean. Uh, love KFS. Uh, welcome to the crew, Sean. And, yeah, excited to you know listen to the rest of the space and see what y'all got going forward heading into preseason. Let's go. Thank you, man. John, in case you forgot how to unmute yourself, it's the big button in the bottom left. How you doing, man? Am I in the space or am I in the spaces? <laughs> that is up I'm, to you. I'm going to send you on a rocket to space if you crack another joke like that. Man, all I got are dad jokes these days. I'm I'm officially pushing 40, so. I mean, it's the best well, I, I got. Well, I've pushed 40, and guess what? That's not an excuse <laughs> to make terrible jokes. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a, a nice way of saying I've always made terrible jokes and they just haven't gotten any better with age. But uh, such is life. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. You know, we're just you know discussing the uh, the, the the battle of the battle between uh, the fourth estate and uh, and you know the big bad people on Seventh Avenue. And what a battle it is! 
Yeah, and, and you know, to me, that's his life and death. And not to downplay it, it's just that, like, it's just, like I said, the hand-wringing, the pearl-clutching, the whining, the bitching, the moaning from people either who, particularly from people in the media who, if they had the acts they wanted, would not do anything good with it because they already have their preconceived notions of the franchise. It's just, it's just off-putting. It is just like, at the same time, like, John, you've been a fan of this team almost as long as I have. Like, I, I just want to see a freaking winner. Like, I don't care what you tell me. Just win. Just be good at basketball. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think where I've struggled in recent – because I, I get both sides of it uh, because I used to be very, very much towards the side of, of anybody, like – being like this is much ado about nothing when the media criticizes the team for its policies and this and that and you know I think there are a variety of reasons why I've kind of come more over to the other side of at least understanding the other viewpoint um, and you know I, I think what I always come back to is like like why not and I know like they have their reasons and I'm, I'm some of those may be good and some of those may be not so good but what I always come back to for me personally because ultimately this stuff doesn't mean as much to me one way or the other as it means to a lot of other people and I just ask myself is is anything that's going on in terms of their position on this stuff is it preventing them in some way from being a good basketball team which is as you just correctly stated really all we all we really care about and I think you can make arguments as to like it being related or not related but I think at the end of the day, it's a matter of like what camp you're in. Because if you're if you're in the camp that believes that, like, you know, Dolan, the way he runs his franchise is just ne- he's never going to run a successful franchise because of his, you know, kind of stated stance on these certain issues. Then I think in that viewpoint, it's like it's a self fulfilling prophecy because the media policy is indicative of other organizational issues that rear their ugly head and then prevent them from, like, doing what they need to do to win basketball games. And then if you're in another camp, you're like, well, no, they've been bad because they've been bad. The media thing is a completely separate and apart issue. I don't know what's really the right answer. I think the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But no, I'm with you, man. I just just want to see a good team before I die, preferably. I'll say this, um, and then, Chris, if you have anything you want to say, you can jump in there. We can get to the next topic while we have Mr. Macri here. No one gives a shit about the media policy in the basketball year 2020-2021. Nobody yeah. gave a shit. But you know why? Because we were good. Yep. We were a good basketball team. And if this team was a good basketball team, nobody would effing care. So that's why I'm like, it's to me, it's more about like just put a winning product in the court. I'm not here to carry water for Jim Dolan or Leon Rose, anybody else. But at the same time, it's like, all I care about is winning basketball. And if there's, if this, like, for example, if this team, and it's probably not going to happen, if this team wins 50 games next year, you're not going to see a damn thing on ESPN, Bleach Report, SNY, New York Post about the media policy is going to be, hey, the Knicks are playing good basketball. So let's concentrate on good basketball. I'm I'm down for concentrating on good basketball. I, I mean, I'll say this. The the when things are good i i you're right no one's going to complain about it because there's you know the t- that's not when the tough questions are perhaps warranted or when people want to hear the answers to the tough questions or or you know in the case of of if you're covering this team when people want to ask 
tough questions. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all for them having a good year and for this to uh, be an issue that is not something that, you know, kind of lords over the season as it has in, in some seasons past. Uh, I'm, I'm Absolutely. I'm, Chris, anything else before we move on to the next topic? No, man. I think I, I really, I, I said what I had to say. I think they're, you know. Do we have Chris? Yeah. I hear Chris. I hear Chris. Oh, I can't hear him. I'll figure something out. I think All he right. said it's okay to move on. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Okay. If I can't hear him, I might have to leave and come back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 and use promo code filmschool130 to get $130 off across six boxes. That's filmschool130 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool130 for $130 off. But let's move on. While we have you here, uh, so the next uh, discussion point we have is Fournier versus Grimes. Um, 
as we all know that, you know, according to reports that Quentin Grimes was not uh, – he was ex- he was he was excluded from a potential Donovan Mitchell trade as if he was untradeable. Um, and the, you know, the reaction from most of the media and from the fan base was like, well, if you didn't trade this dude, you better play him. And now there's speculation that – or you better start him. And now there's speculation that he won't – that he may not start, that Fournier may start. So, one to get your take, Mr. Macri, on, you know, Grimes being uh, the new Mr. Untouchable. And if we can really what – will, what will be the potential fallout if on game one we see Evan Fournier starting? And is Evan Fournier starting in game one the right decision? Uh, oh, you, you threw a lot at me there. Um, oh, I only got all, like five minutes, so I just got to – No, no, it. it's, it's Okay. So okay, so first of all, where Grimes is concerned, I don't, I don't know that I don't. I know some have painted him as an untouchable in the Donovan Mitchell talks. I did not necessarily get that sense from the reporting and and from what little that I he was able to to he glean. Yeah, like they're like, yeah. Well, let's let's go to the goat himself, Ian Begley. Ian Begley reported, and we have absolutely no reason to ever doubt anything Ian reports. Um, that there were constructions of deals which included Grimes in them. So that right there, I think, tells you, you know, that he wasn't untouchable. Now, that being said, if it was like, yeah, you could have Grimes, but you're getting, you know, the same by way of picks as you would in a deal with RJ, and I, I just to be clear, I don't know that to be true. I'm just, you know, making something up. Um, that would you would think not render him untouchable, but it would be like, it's the Knicks way of basically saying like, yeah, this is the guy we want to keep. That's neither here nor there. To me, it was very clear that keeping him was a priority, perhaps more so than perhaps more so than any other player on the roster. And I say perhaps because there's the whole RJ discussion. I don't really want to get into right now, but I've wondered since all that transpired, how much of that was was from Tibbs, and and you know Tibbs is getting it from all angles right now, and I don't I don't know if this paints him in a better or a worse light, but my suspicion is that Tibbs was looking at this as like, okay, if you trade RJ, that's one thing. If you trade RJ and Grimes, I can't give you a team that has a chance of being a top four seed. I'm convinced, just not that I've heard anything, but I, you know, knowing Tibbs like we do, Tibbs thought that if he, he, they kept Grimes, even if they sent out RJ and another young player, whoever that young player was, I'm convinced that he was convinced he still he could have gotten into a top four seed this year and and you know been a mover or so away from from something bigger and better than that. That's why I suspect that Grimes is still here, which then ties in very interestingly. And by the way, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that Tibbs is like the only person who's a fan of crimes in the organization. I'm sure he has lots of fans in the organization. But that's always been my suspicion. Not Again, not based on anything I've heard, just kind of putting together the reporting and kind of, you know, using common sense about like what Tibbs likes and what Tibbs feels he needs to win. So it sets up really something very interesting, which is that Tibbs comes out and he's like 48, you know, right now he's my starting shooting guard. You know, and then he'll say things like, for me, it's not about who starts, it's about who finishes. And there are Tibbsisms, which, like, you, you, you kind of dismiss as, like, coach speak. And then 
there are some that have a little bit more validity. And this is one that has a little bit more validity for me just because we've seen it play out here for two straight years, right? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes the lineup who started was not the lineup who finished. Now, it was not always the people that we wanted finishing games who were finishing games, which is a whole other issue. But the man does have a bit of a track record of closing games with people that didn't start. And I wouldn't put that past him with Grimes. I think he feels like he does need Grimes to be to do well on the team. I don't personally – it's it's less for me about whether he starts and more about, I guess, you know, playing time to a certain extent. Like, I, I'm not – here's the thing. I'm not worried about Grimes because I don't think there's any universe where Grimes is playing, like, you know, 12 minutes or 14 minutes. I think Grimes is going to get 20 minutes a night at a bare minimum. My playing time concerns are much more focused on topping. I don't even have quickly playing time concerns because I think quickly one way or another is going to get 18 to 20 minutes. Toppin's my playing time concern guy, but that's, you know, neither here nor there, I guess. Yeah, I agree. That's a good point. And the thing that – and also um, – Oh, you guys definitely can't hear each other. This is so funny. You okay. can both hear me. There's no way he can hear right, me. Either. I'm going to leave and come back, and then right. hopefully that will fix that. That will fix that. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll fix Chris it. Chris will pick up the slack for the – okay, Chris, you you were saying. Yeah, well, hold on. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna fix this audio thing on our end anyway. But yeah, uh, my sense that I got from the Begley reporting plus everything else was it was one or the other with RJ and Grimes. Like they had two wings that they know are studs that are good defensively, and maybe Utah wanted both, and they were like, no. So if they get Grimes instead of RJ. It's cheaper because he's on a rookie-scale deal. But then, you know, maybe there's more draft picks involved because RJ is the better player or whatever. Um, Because Barrett seems to have been in the several final iterations of the deal, Grimes was untouchable in those deals. Because if it was RJ or Grimes, RJ was in the final trades. I agree. With Obviously, that. if it's one or the other and one's in, then the other has to be out. From from so, that perspective, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. like the, the 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 if you can say Grimes was untouchable in the in the end of the discussions because it was locked in in the end of the discussions that the Knicks would indeed be conceding Barrett. Well and, if we're really if we're really getting into conspiracy theories, mine all along has been and I, I forget if I've actually written this or said this, but my this again, this is just me. This is tinfoil hat, John. I was going to say, get that tinfoil hat on. Yeah, this is, this is tinfoil hat, John. It, it, it's my suspicion all along has been they were coming to the finish line with what the Knicks conceived of as dotting of T's and crossing of I's with no major changes to the deal construction. And at the last minute, Utah was like, okay, well, uh, yeah, if you throw in Grimes and we, and we got a deal. And then that threw everything – uh, haywire. This could be completely wrong, but that's no. And, and and you know what? The the without I'm I'm gonna be vague. Sorry, but I got to be vague here on purpose just to to protect the thing or two. But like the wording of certain things and the tone of certain things that have seeped out from people in the organization or affiliated with the organization when they talk about this. And then that what I've heard is just it, 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 it's the sound of like a bad breakup. You know, it was not like, oh, well, we're going to college and we just decided to like, oh, it, it wasn't going to work. Like, no, this was nasty. Like, yeah, yeah. found the text in the phone. Bad breakup. <laughs> it sounds like something that's happened to you, Chris. I'm afraid for your uh, 
for your for your life choices there. Uh, um, listen, just because you're a bad person doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. <laughs> so you can you can project all you'd like, John. I am projecting right now. Um, listen, I gotta I gotta run. I want to say one last thing. You um, run? I well, I do run. I actually love to run. Running is my favorite thing. I don't get to do it as much as I would like to because uh, I have children. But um, no, we have uh, we actually have a parents' night out tonight for our our daughter's first grade class. This is, these are the things you do when you get older. Um, Good oh, God. Ours was last night, John, so I oh, totally is, get it. There you go. And my, and my wife, shout out to Dolores Macri, is the class parent for our first grade class. So she has organized the shindig. Yeah. So that's why we have to be there um, in, a, in a timely fashion. But I just want to say, you know, shout out to both of you guys for doing uh, this and for uh, killing it. And, you know, Sean, welcome to the team. And, uh, yeah, I'll try to pop it later if I if I can, but I'll definitely be on more of these moving forward. Good luck with those hors d'oeuvres, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. Peace out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anyone who wants to uh, raise their hand and come up and speak about the Fournier versus Grimes debate. Yeah, let's, let's talk Evan Grimes with the people, man. Let's, yes. Let's and, 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 and one thing I wanted to say was that um, to Johnson's point about uh, you know, who starts games that doesn't finish them, but doesn't necessarily finish them. The common dude that wouldn't finish them was Evan Fournier. Like, he routinely was on the bench in the fourth quarter. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, to John's point, like what uh, Tip says, it's not about who starts or who finishes. So, like, if Evan starts but Grimes finishes and Grimes plays relatively the same amount of minutes, he won't play more. But if it's like a... Uh, I can't do math. I'm ahead. 28-20 split, then? Right. What's the problem? I feel you. All right, listen. I brought Brent up from the crowd. Brent, what's going on, man? What you got on, on this debate here? How y'all doing? Uh, When it comes to... What's good, man? When it comes to, like, the Fournier-Grimes debate, I just feel like... I think when it comes to Fournier, he's a real tricky player to just work into the lineup, period, because he... Especially, maybe it's just my bias against him from last season, but I feel like he has a he wants a secondary, a second option usage rate, but then he just doesn't bring enough offensively to justify it. Like when we saw it last season, when he got into a rhythm, is it he can catch fire? But I just think his defensive, he's just a defensive liability that's not worth it. That type of reps. Yeah, uh, as someone who likes Evan, um, I was kind of like begging last season for him to get benched because uh, I thought he would get the ball more off the bench than in the starting lineup with Kemba dribbling off his knees, RJ and Julius also Ju- Julius also dribbling off his knees. Um, I was like, yo, let's get Grimes or Burks or someone like malleable role wise into that starting lineup, and let's get Fournier on the on the bench, man. Let's let's get him going with Rose. Let him get some buckets and get him in a rhythm because he's a rhythm scorer like that. The thing with the thing with Evan though is is and I, I'm gonna get like X and OE on you here, but I, I really think this is what it comes down to. Fournier is really good when he gets to work side to side. So when you see him working laterally on the court, and if you go watch him in, in Eurobasket, FIBA, whatever, he gets to work. And I'm not talking about get, giving this dude the opportunity to do a one-two hezzy splicac step back. Like, hell no, right? I'm saying he does not have the handle for that. I'm saying let him get a screen at the top of the key, take it into the left elbow, do a crossover, sidestep, cute little jumper. Get it into that elbow, Pump fake, get in, lob to the center. Like, we see him beast with Gobert on that, right? They just made it to the final. thing with the Knicks is Tibbs was like, uh, you're Reggie Bullock. 
And that's just not how he plays basketball. Evan is an elite shooter, but he needs to be in some sort of motion, some sort of rhythm. You see how he misses those open threes, but then when he's got that one-legged, I feel like Patrick Ewing, one-legged step back, uh, you know, when he's taking those crazy threes out of bounds in the corner, he drains them. It's because he's that kind of shooter where he needs to be curling off the screen. He needs to be pulling up off the dribble. And when he got to do that in his games against Boston, for example, where he would actually have the confidence to cook and pull up off the dribble, he was pretty effective. And his offense did make up for the defense. But you're never going to hide that defense. as like You can hide it as being okay if you surround him with great defenders, but it's never going to be good. That's why I want him off the bench. That's why I want Grimes starting. Grimes can guard the point of attack. Brunson can get hidden. RJ got the wing. Off the bench, you got Rose and um, Quick. You know, quick, I guess, guarding the point of attack, Rose off the ball, and then you're you're just letting Fournier, you know, you're just letting him run out there. for. I put out a rotation today where he was playing something like 16, 18 minutes a game, and I think that's a great spot for him, and he'd be a super effective player for us in that role. There are several guys around the league that make as much money as he does to play bench roles, uh, but we're afraid of it here for some reason. So, yeah, I hope Tibbs, you know, I, I hope my read on what Tibbs said is right and that he was just – being a locker room politician, showing respect to the veteran incumbent, which is literally all he said is that Evan's the incumbent, which is factual. Um, and that in camp, they'll make a big storyline of, oh, well, Quentin, you know, Quentin had a great camp. We, we loved what he did in Summer League. And, and then they just start him game one. I still think that's what's happening. So we'll see. Wait, uh, before I go, I just wanted to add in one thing. I agree with what you said about the whole bringing him off the bench. But another thing that just hurts him with him being the starters is – I forgot who wrote the article. Somebody works in the Strickland. I'm trying to remember who. They oh, talked about, like, good. RJ's drives and his not passing on drives and something like that. But in the article, they mentioned the fact that he's – because he's not used to it, playing this complimentary role, he's not – him and Julie especially are not good at just fanning out to the wings. So because of that, his their defenders often drift into the paint, which makes a lot of his drives a lot tougher. Yeah, I think Prez did a thread on this and yeah, talked about Prez. how – talking about how if Grimes is starting he fans out and Brunson himself does that too those guys will instead of just camping in the corner with their you know what's in their hands they'll actually like get moving and and move up to the top of that key or at least the 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 wing there and and get open from three or or space the floor in in a different way give that offense a different dimension yeah people just confuse spacing with shooting like just because you are a great shooter you inherently draw create space but you don't fan out (laughs) gotta move your feet Nah, I feel you, Brent. Thank you very much for that because that's a really great point. And I think you just like illuminated a really important part of this discussion. You know, like I feel like space is, you know, this is why I'm excited for Sean to have this show. Why I love doing space with myself is like every bit of context that's lost on Twitter and Twitter arguments, debates, whatever it is, like you have time here to just talk it out. And it's like a lot of people that if they watched last season would want, you know, Evan Fournier to be shipped off to, you know, whatever other countries league where he they would never have to see him play again in their life like no they're just like intelligent ways to go about optimizing your talent that our coach just chooses not to do and while he brings this baseline level of competence that this team hasn't seen in years before his hiring there's all you know there's good and bad to everything if you want to get vague with it but like philosophical with it but but the drawbacks of Tibbs is a really sturdy stern whatever approach is that it's very stubborn and and the lack of that dynamicness is is what's so frustrating to us because we see the same result over and over again 
and then we see a refusal to change the input and, and we just get the same output. Yeah, a lot of good and bad variants and tips, especially with the roster being the way it's constructed. It's really bad variants now. Can I say something real quick about Evan? I, I feel like there's this section of the fan base, section of next Twitter that like wants Evan Fournier banished to Elba, and it's like all of our problems will be fixed if Evan Fournier wasn't here. And 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 you're like, but he's a really good shooter. And the response you get back is like, he's not good at defense. And I'm like, well, if you were, and they're like, he's overpaid. No wonder, like he's overpaid, which is asinine because he makes market rate for someone that shoots as well as he does. And they're like, he's not good at defense. And I'm like, well, if we were, I would like Evans Fournier to be better at defense. But if he were better at defense, he would not be on this team because he'd be a three and D stud. And he wouldn't be a, like, for example, like let's take Desmond Bain. You think Desmond Bain is going to hit free agents that you could sign him for seventeen million dollars a year? Absolutely not. So yeah. I just feel as if like this idea, and I get it because you know we're the Knicks in the nineties and defense. I'm like, ah, like I get it, like I, I get it. But we, it's just that we've cried about shooting, and and Brent, to your point, spacing and shooting are not the same thing. But we cried and begged for shooting. We begged and pleaded for shooting because we we're running up lineups with. Marcus Morris and Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and Alfred Payton all at the same time, right? And we beg for shooting, and then we get a shooter like, whoa, he's not good at defense, so we have absolutely no place for him at all. And it's like, no, there's a place for him on this team. It's just that that place is he's not been put in that place because of our head coach who, you know, has certain principles he adheres to because, you know, those principles have been so successful for him in all the finals appearances and conference finals appearances he's had over the last few years. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Brent, again, thank you, man. I'm going to uh, spin you off here for Joe, who's been waiting for a minute. But uh, no problem, guys. Not, again, like I said earlier to Khalil, like, thank y'all not just for tuning in, but for coming up and, and uh, you know, shooting the stuff with us and, and getting in the arena here. We appreciate y'all for real. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, man. Joe, you are up on stage. What's up? Hey, what's happening, guys? Um, Yeah, I just want to chime in on Forney and Grimes. I agree that Grimes needs to start, but I kind of agree with Tibbs, like, not right away. It's like he he hasn't kind of earned it yet. Like, a couple of clips last year, him playing well in Summer League, to me, doesn't justify him starting yet. And then the fact that he's in a walking booth right now doesn't really – meaning that he should be, like, day one starter. Like, I think eventually, maybe, like, a month in, we should kind of look at putting him in the starting lineup. But I think right now, you kind of have to play the vet until the vet loses the job and the kid earns it. Yeah, I feel you, man. Um, Definitely, you know, you made two kind of two points there. The first one, uh, I think Grimes did a little bit more than just a couple clips last year, but I get exactly what you're saying in terms of just, you know, like speed tracking a young player to a a featured role like that. Um, My pushback with there would be like, yeah, I I think last year he had the kind of rookie season on the defensive end where you look at him and say, hey, this kid might be a future all-defense kid if he just keeps this up and and keeps getting better the way he has been. And that's not someone you say about every play. You know, you say it about a lot of rookies coming in because everyone has that hype. You know, everyone has the excitement of the unknown 
but it's not every rookie. And we know Grimes is, is a good defender. We know this is not just you know random effort. He's a very technically skilled defender. He's really good on the ball. He's he's smart off the ball. Um, and my my other pushback would be that uh, you know say he is healthy. Why not just start your best lineup that that fits together? Why not just start your best players? You know, Grimes wouldn't actually be in a featured role. It would just be a starting role. Brunson, Barrett, and Randall would have the ball way more than him. Um, Your second point, which I do agree with, is that if he's not healthy, don't start him to start the season. Let him come off the bench in a smaller role. But if he's not healthy, you shouldn't be playing him at all to start the year. It's not like what regular season game one is not that deep. So... I think he'll be healthy by then, and if he is, I just think he should start because if, if you're gonna, you know, it's not even ripping off a bandaid; it's putting. It on. If you're gonna put a bandaid on your defense, uh, don't wait for the wound to get infected before you do it. Just do it. I'm sorry for the analogy, but that's the best I could come up with. I kind, I kind of think that they're looking at like last year. They had a plan last year, shot creation. And I think if Kemba was Kemba, like they thought he was, and they didn't think the injuries and just him being washed last year was the thing. So I think with Brunson in, they want to see what they can do with with the lineup they have with Fournier in it. And then also I think to do with a trade value standpoint, they're giving them like $18 million, the same with Rondo. So you kind of need to start them guys to justify like the money to trade them if it doesn't work out or down the line when you're looking to move them. Sean, what do you got on that? I mean... Well, if, if, if this one person needs to be traded, that we, I don't think it's Fournier. But to your point, like, if, well, and I see my man Jeff down there. Shout out to Jeff. Like, you know, what we'll talk, we talked about the size, like, the Knicks need a consolidation trade. And if you're going to have a consolidation trade, um, Evan makes the most sense to go out. He is a, I mean, he's basically an expiring contract after the season. Um, and it, it it clears up clears up space for guys like Grimes. Um, and 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 Chris made you you made a good point that like you know about the wound like you know if you need like if you need a band aid like put the band aid on don't leave it uncovered and be like Max, why move, did it get hurt you got to move like AB and put that shit on sorry I had to I'll, I'll be quiet now I, yo hear, wait a minute hearing it is that wait a minute is that an Antonio Brown one. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I did not expect that. I had to. I'm sorry. I'm so, I said I'll shut up now. I'm sorry. I had to. I'm sorry. It's all good. See, it's I, all I good. think I think an issue with Fournier too was didn't they say kind of Utah wanted like an extra pick or a pick swap just to take on his money in the Donovan Mitchell trade? So you want to kind of build back some value that when you do move him, if it's a big trade or consolidation or just salary or whatever, that at least he's neutral value or justify what the money is. So I think starting him kind of like $18 million or whatever he's at, he's 18 or 19 this year, coming off the bench doesn't really, it's not really what teams are looking at. So you have him in a starting role, I think then a playoff team might say, you know what, we could use him off our bench, you know, in a playoff run. Well, he, I'll say two things to that quick, and, and then I'll let Sean go on. Number one, Davis Bertans makes the same amount of money to come off the bench, and he's a shooting specialist. It's the exact same situation. Thing number two, um, you know, sure, if you want someone to come trade for Evan, then you should let him 
play well. So people want a player that's playing well, right? Is he going to play well in a starting lineup where no one can guard the point of attack? Or is he going to play well on a bench lineup with guys that are better on defense, better complement him offensively, and where he can get the ball uh, and work laterally, work side to side on the court instead of north and south, which his handle doesn't really account for? Um, I, I think you just got to, if you want him to look good, you got to put him in a situation where he can look good, forcing him to start in a lineup where he won't be able to defend and they're going to be letting everyone through like a broken subway turnstile is probably just not the best look for other teams. You can't put him in Bertan. Like that, that's insulting Fournier right there, putting him in Bertan. Bertan's got paid off a of one good shooting season and has been went missing sent, went missing ever since. And hasn't really done nothing. Like Fournier's been consistent. Has been at least be no good. problem. Well, yeah, he got moved over in a with a bad, another bad contract for a, probably one of the worst contracts in the NBA in Porzingis. So that, that was kind of like a bad consolidation. That was more or less consolidating two bad deals for one big bloated deal. And I don't think the Knicks will be looking to do that at any time soon. I don't think they're in that place yet. I hope I hope they're not. So true story, true story. I, the only thing I want to say is that, like, I do not want to hear um, – I don't want. I would rather um, not. I don't want to hear anything about what Danny Ainge wanted and his uh, and, and and the fact that he won extra pick because of the money because he freaking signed Colin Sexton to a four year seventy two million dollar deal and took on Lauren Marker's money and Lauren Marker's money runs past Evan Fournier's money. So anything that comes out of the Utah Jazz uh, organization, I will take with several grains of salt and just call bullshit on there. But. To your point, I see where you're coming from. They, um, you know, his money, for whatever reason, his money was not seen as good enough to take for whatever reason. (laughs) 